If we were here, I would say stand to your feet. So I'm still going to say it, whether you do it or not. In your living room, stand to your feet to honor the reading of the word, Matthew chapter 28. This is an Easter message full of resurrection. He is good, amen? Matthew chapter 28, we're going to start in verse 1. We'll read through verse 10. Now, after the Sabbath, toward the dawn of the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene, And the other Mary went to see the tomb and behold, there was a great earthquake for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled back the stone and sat on it. His appearance was like lightning and his clothing white as snow. And for fear of him, the guards trembled and became like dead men. But the angel said to the women, do not be afraid for I know that you seek Jesus who is crucified. He is not here for he is risen. As he said, Come see the place where he lay, then go quickly and tell his disciples that he is risen from the dead, and behold, he is going before you to Galilee. There you will see him. See, I have told you. So they departed quickly from the tomb with fear and great joy and ran to tell his disciples. And behold, Jesus met them and said, Greetings. And they came up and took hold of his feet and worshiped him. Then Jesus said to them, Do not be afraid. Go and tell my brothers to go to Galilee and there they will see me. Father, we thank you so much. We don't worship a God who is dead. We don't worship a God who is limited in power. We don't worship a God who died and then couldn't figure it out. We worship a God who died and resurrected, who is alive today. We worship the resurrected Christ. And we pray, God, that that same power that raised him from the dead that morning God, it would quicken us today in a time like this, Lord, that it would empower us to do what you've called us to do. Now, every time we look into your word, it has the capability to change the way we think and in turn change what we do. And so we pray that it would happen, especially today. We pray, God, that you would do the impossible in our midst. Do it in us and through us in our communities. In Jesus' mighty name we pray and everyone said, Amen and amen. Well, we talked the last three Sundays. This is the third segment of uh, Three Days of Grace. And we talked last Sunday about there's a grace for rest. And all day Saturday, the disciples would have rested. It was the Sabbath. What we know is that before the Sabbath, they had prepared spices. And when they woke up, The morning after the Sabbath, the women had been prepared to take those spices to where Jesus had been entombed. And so you get a a picture in the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, of how the morning transpired. And you you see that that Mary Magdalene and several other women, maybe a decent-sized group of women, decided to get up early about dawn and travel to the tomb with burial spices, with a, a mix of spices. Now, now this was not an exciting trip. This was not a trip where they were going to celebrate a risen Christ. It was a trip where they were going specifically to the tomb to put burial spices on a dead Jesus. So the Bible says that when they arrive, that the stone had been rolled away. We find out from Matthew that an angel 
had descended from heaven. And let me be very clear. The angel did not descend from heaven, cause an earthquake and roll the stone away so Jesus could get out. He was already resurrected. The angel hit the ground, rolled the stone back to reveal to us that he had been resurrected. So the Bible says that it made the guards like dead men. If you remember, uh, the Jewish leaders had went to the went to the Roman leaders and said, Hey, the disciples, his disciples said he was going to said, or believing he's going to raise again in three days. And he himself said he would. So let's, let's post guards at the tomb to make sure they don't come and steal his body and make the second deception worse than the first. And, and so what happens is there are guards at the tomb. The angel descends The stone is rolled away. The guards are like dead men and the women show up. You can imagine the sight when they show up. They show up, they peek into the tomb. They see nothing. They see an angel. They, they, They are shocked and somewhat mortified. They don't understand what happened. They, it is not, it is not clicking with them that Jesus said he would rise again. And yet, and and it it happened physically that it's not clicking with them. They're, they're, they're prepared to, to put burial spices on the, on the savior, but he's not there. So the angel says, Hey, don't be afraid. The one you came to look for is risen. The one you came, the one you came seeking is not here but is risen. Now we believe that Mary Magdalene took off running. You can imagine how fast you could run in that moment. Even if you weren't a runner, you can imagine how fast you could run in that moment. You, you were probably running with everything that you had. She runs back and she, she must tell Peter and John first, because the Bible says that Peter and John take off running. Peter maybe being a little older and maybe a little heavier than John. Uh, can't outrun John. So the Bible says that John shows up to the tomb first, but doesn't go into the tomb. Peter, maybe in his middle-aged self, comes stumbling up to the tomb second, but doesn't even hesitate, busts right in. And they find the grave cloths laying there and the face face cloth wrapped up neatly. And all of a sudden they realize he's risen. He's risen. He's risen. This is crazy. He's risen. And all of the pain and the hurt and the sorrow that had transpired over, over Friday and Saturday and the unknowing and the uncertainty and all the chaos that went along with it was instantly turned into amazement. How, how could this happen? How in an instant Jesus goes from being crucified and dead to a living savior. And he begins to reveal himself to them in miraculous ways. But I want to, I want to point something out to you this morning. Many of you know me. I I'm I, I like to be able to do things. I like to be able to fix things. I like, uh, I, I've admitted before, I, I have a dopamine addiction. 
I found out years ago that when you fix something, when you solve something, your brain will release a little, little bit of dopamine and you get that little buzz like when you fix your car or you fix a computer or, or, you, or you fix something that was broken and now it works again and you get this little dopamine. I like fixing all kinds of things. I'm, I'm into all kinds. I'm, I'm fixing cars. I'm, I'm, I'm working on house. I'm just doing all kinds of stuff. And I love it. But in my time, I've run up against some stuff that I can't fix. That there's no amount of smarts that Chris can put it together. There's no amount of ingenuity. There's no amount of YouTube videos. Come on, say amen for YouTube videos. There's no amount of those things that I can put together to bring a solution to it. And what I've realized on Easter Sunday morning is that, is that sometimes when you just wake up and things are different. Sometimes you just wake up and things are different. Here's what I realized. Sometimes in my life, there's nothing I can do to fix it. But the grace of God. I've been in those circumstances before. My wife and I have been in those circumstances uh, in the past where, where everything we tried didn't work where, where we would try this and try that and just keep trying and keep trying and keep trying and keep trying. And it just wouldn't fix the circumstance. It wouldn't change anything. And then all of a sudden you wake up one day and it's not the same. All of a sudden you wake up one day and it's different. All of a sudden you wake up one day and it's fixed. And I present to you Easter Sunday morning is a prime example of that where where Jesus was crucified, he was buried, and the problem was right before the disciples. What, how, what are we going to do? We've given three years of our lives. Everything we believe is wrapped up in him. He is dead, and it is over, and we can do nothing about it. There was no, there was no recording of a prayer meeting. There was no recording of conversations. Well, we'll go lay hands on him and, and raise him from the dead. We've seen Jesus do it to Lazarus. So we, we're just, we're just going to work up enough faith. We're going to work up enough stamina, and we're going to go to that tomb tomorrow morning and we're going to raise him from the dead. There was no conversation about, they were, they were without solution. There was no critical thinkers. There was no, there was no project management tool that they could, that they could enlist to come up with a great, it was out, totally out of their control. And if I'm if I have any insight into anything, I believe that there's probably a portion of you watching today that feel like your life is in that circumstance. I mean, in some respects, all of our lives are in that circumstance with what's going on around us. There is nothing really we can do to change what's happening. Sure, you can stay in your house. Sure, you can wear a mask. But you can't just flip a switch and make everything go back to normal. You can't do that. You don't have the capability. You don't have the power. You don't have, the, you don't have any control over what's happening. And the disciples found themselves in that circumstance, woke up the next morning, and when they woke up the next morning, everything was different. They didn't work for it. They didn't strategize for it. They didn't, they didn't pray for it. It just 
was the grace and power of God that changed everything. Jesus resurrected not because a people, group of people got together and prayed, not because, not because they were good enough, not because they were worthy enough, not because of anything that a human being did, but it was God's plan from the beginning to resurrect a dead Jesus and then us benefit from it. And I want to propose to you, there's things in your life today. There's things that you can't fix, that you can't solve, that you don't understand why it's happening, that you don't understand what's going on. But I want to tell you, there will come a day where you will lay your head down on your pillow. And the next morning when you wake up, I don't know what day it's going to be. I don't even know what year it's going to be. But you're going to wake up one day and you're going to look over at something. You're going to go, hey, man, things are different. Things are just different. I don't even know what happened. I don't even know how it happened. I don't know why it happened. Guess what? I'm not as anxious as I used to be. Guess what? I'm, I, things are different. And all the disciples did on Sunday morning was wake up. That's it. It's the grace of victory that God gives us. It's the grace of victory. When you have no power to affect change in your life, it's exactly when God can swoop in and do something. When I am weak, he is made strong. At the end of the day, when I have run out of options, at the end of the day, when I have run out of solutions, at the end of the day, when there's no YouTube video that can fix it, when I am weak, I see his strength come to pass. And one day, trust me on this, if you're watching this morning and you're in the middle of it, one day, I'm telling you, will be a resurrection Sunday for you. You'll wake up one day and just things will be different. Why? Not because you were worth it, not because you were good enough, not because, because you were smart, just because God's grace is there for victory in your life. I remember telling my wife that a couple of weeks ago, we had about six years apart, we had the same scenario happen. And the first time it happened about six years ago, we freaked out just, we happened to be on vacation and it ruined our vacation. We'd taken a, a couple of days away. We went camping and, and this, we found out about this something and, and it just ruined it. We were freaking out. Not sure. Six years later, I couldn't tell you that I'm any smarter than I was six years ago. I couldn't tell you that I'm any more powerful than I was six years ago. I don't even know what I did, but we woke up one day, the same thing happened. I responded totally different. And I looked over at my wife and I said, things are a lot different now. And I'm not sure what we did, but the grace of God gave us victory over something that we couldn't affect. We couldn't change the grace of God gave us victory. The disciples went to sleep on Saturday night and woke up and he had risen. He'd risen. They hadn't done anything. They went to sleep and woke up. And I love Every story in scripture where there is God just showing up doing something unbelievable and people go, hey man, we didn't even do anything. I'm reminding of, reminded of Exodus chapter 14, verse 13. It says, and Moses said to the people, fear not, stand firm and see the salvation of the Lord, which he will work for you today. For the Egyptians whom you see today, you shall never see again. The Lord will fight for you. You have only to be silent. Can I just be honest with you? The most difficult thing for me, somebody who knows how to fix a ton of stuff is to be silent when Jesus is causing a resurrection. 
in my life. One of the most difficult things for me, because I'm constantly like, hey, Lord, you know, if you did this, did this, did this, if you did this, this. I love the Easter story because they were sleeping. <laughs> they were sleeping. I'm not even sure that Peter and John had gotten up yet when he resurrected. I, they were sleeping. Moses says, all you have to do is be quiet. Keep your idea to yourself. Keep your doubt to yourself. Keep, keep, your, keep your woe is me, it's not gonna happen to yourself. Just shh. See all these Egyptians back here? God is gonna deliver you from them and you will never see them again. All you have to do is stand here, be quiet, and watch the deliverance of God. The disciples were sleeping when an angel of the Lord hit the ground and the tomb opened up to reveal Jesus had already resurrected. And I want to tell you, sometimes in your life, the best thing that you could do is keep your mouth shut and watch the deliverance of the Lord happen in your life. Stop, stop the negative talk. Stop the, God, why don't you do this now? Why don't you just go to sleep one day and when you wake up the next morning, expect it to be different. Expect the resurrection. Expect God's power in, in your life. Because sometimes... Sometimes you don't need to do anything. That's so difficult for me because I'm a pull yourself up by your bootstraps type person. Oh, you, 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 you give me enough time, I'll figure it out. I tell my son that all the time. You give me enough time, I'll figure it out. You give me enough time, I'll figure it out. We'll, 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 we'll cause it to be different. We'll cause a solution to happen. And then you run into something where you can't do anything about it. And that's when Jesus says, hey, listen, go to sleep. When you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be different. It's going to be different. When you wake up tomorrow, that thing you thought was dead will be resurrected. When you wake up tomorrow, it's going to be different because some things you can't do anything about. It's just the power of God that has to intervene. And I'm encouraging you this morning, if you find yourself in the middle of it right now, if you find yourself in the middle of a situation that you can't affect change and you don't know, everything you do seems to just go sideways and south and you can't figure out any solution to it, have faith in God that one day it will be different. Put your head down on your pillow tonight with confidence that God doesn't need you to resurrect Jesus. He can do that by himself. And there are things in your life that he wants you to just be quiet and watch his deliverance happen. The best thing you could do, we talked about it last week, the best thing you could do sometimes is be quiet and go to sleep because in the middle of you surrendering to God, he can resurrect. In the middle of you surrendering whatever it is to him, he can give you victory. Moses told the Israelites, I just need you to shut up and be quiet and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Just shh, shh, shh. Whoever's sitting beside you in your living room right now, look at him and go, shh. We don't need, we don't need any negative talk now. We, we, don't, we don't need any doomsday reports. We don't need any. We're going we're gonna to rest in the fact that the disciples were sleeping and the power of resurrection was all around them. You know what else I found curious about that story is that 
the women were not taking, taking spices to the body to celebrate a resurrection. They were taking spices to the body to cover up the smell of a dead man. That's important. God's, I believe, Easter Sunday in this crazy time we're living, God's planning to resurrect something that you've accepted was dead. I believe the power of God is moving in your life now to resurrect something that you thought was dead, that you've already accepted was dead, that you've already, that you've already given up on. Maybe it was a dream he put in your heart 20 years ago and you gave up on it. Maybe it was, maybe it was something recently that you said, there's no way that'll ever happen and you gave up on it. Because let me, can I, can I just say this to you right now? God is not in the habit of killing your future. He's not in the habit of crucifying your future. He came to give you a future and a hope. He gave, came to give you life and life more abundantly. He came so, so that you have a future. Amen? So he's not, he's not in the business of crucifying a future. Oh, yeah. He'll kill pride in your life. He'll kill worry in your life. He'll kill anxiety in your life. He'll put the death, he'll put the death, uh, Envy in your life. He'll put to death all all those things, but he never puts to death your destiny. There is always hope in Christ Jesus. And so what I find ironic about this whole thing is they were taking burial spices to a resurrection. So I started thinking about it. I started thinking about the spices we carry around with us. carry around the spices with us every day. We say things like, we should, we should have never hoped. We should have never trusted. I should have, shouldn't have trusted anybody. I'll never try that again. God doesn't want, to, want me to be whole. God, God can't forgive me. God can't bless me. And we, we carry around. We, we go day by day by day. And we, and, we, and we carry the spices around with us. And we and we say to ourselves, you know what? That's never going to happen. I've just given up on it. It's never going to happen. There's no way that can happen now. There's no way I can be happy. There's no way I can have a good marriage. It's too late. There's no way. There's no way my kids are going to come back to Christ. It's too late. There's no way I can get a, uh, I can get a job. It's too late. There's no way God can provide me. It's too late. And we carry burial spices to what Jesus wants to resurrect. And we carry them around with us. The problem with carrying burial spices is you end up smelling like death. And everywhere you go, you end up smelling like defeat. You end up smelling like death. You end up smelling like the very thing that you don't want to be experiencing. And so my word to you this morning is put away the spices. It's not time to die. Put away the burial spices. They're making you smell like something God doesn't want you to smell like. And so when they came to the tomb, they realized what they'd been carrying was of no use to them. It says, it doesn't even say what they did with them. What they had been carrying around with them was of no significance anymore because what they were carrying around to bury somebody in, they found out he was not there to bury So my prayer over your life this morning is that thing you've been trying to bury for years. You would find out you don't even need the spices anymore. That one day you'll wake up and you'll see that God has resurrected something that you accepted was dead. 
that future that you didn't think could happen, that he just resurrects it by his power. That same power that rose Jesus up from the dead can change your future, change your destiny. It can bring a dream back in a moment. But I need you to do me a favor. I need you to put away spices that smell like death. I need you to go to your kitchen, put them all away. Go to your bedroom, put them all away. Go to, those, go to the people in your life, go to your family and say, you know what? I'm not talking like that anymore. It smells like death. I'm not going to think like that anymore. It smells like death. And I'm tired of carrying this weight that ends up being insignificant in the light of what God can do. How silly is it to carry around burial spices when the power of God has a capability and is willing to resurrect that thing. We talked about it last week. He said that we could come to him because his yoke is easy and his burden is light, that he will take on our burden. So I want you to just drop those things today. God didn't design you to carry them. They're meaningless. The words we should have and it will never are meaningless to Jesus. They're meaningless to the power of God. There is never a circumstance in your future where God can't do a miracle, where God can't resurrect something that you never dreamed could happen. There is no circumstance. God is not in the habit of putting your future to death. That's not what he does. He came to give you a hope in a future. Even in the midst of this, maybe some of your dreams seem dashed. In the midst of this pandemic, some, you may think, well, this changes everything. I don't, I don't know what's going to happen in the future. I don't know how it's going to happen. I want you to know it is no time to get out the spices. I want you to know it's no time to start sealing up tombs because God is the master of raising things from the dead. God is a master of taking what you thought was already done, was already over and raising it up and turning it into something you never dreamed could happen. They told Jesus when he came to the tomb of Lazarus, it's no use. She said, Lord, he's been dead four days. His body already stinks. There's not even anything spices can do for him anymore. He's been, he's too far gone. Jesus said, step Give me some room. That thing that you thought was too far gone, that thing that you, that marriage that you thought would never be able to make it, that, that, that relationship that you thought was never going to work out. There's no way forgiveness can happen. If you're walking around this morning and you're thinking that God cannot forgive me, you're carrying spices for no reason because the very thing that he came to do, the very reason he resurrected was to be able to forgive you of your sin. Power over death, hell, in the grave. He can forgive you this morning. Just drop the burial spices. Refuse to pick them up. Because in the power of Christ, they become meaningless. The Bible doesn't even tell us what they did with them. They were worthless at that point. It was a pointless burden to even carry them because Jesus had resurrected Jesus made all the worry pointless. He made all the anxiety pointless. He made all the fretting pointless. He made all the trying pointless. He made all the effort to figure it out pointless because one day they went to sleep and the next day he had resurrected and they figured out 
all the worry and anxiety was a weight that they weren't even supposed to be carrying because he said, in three days, I will rise. And that's exactly what he did. So I'm going to encourage you this morning. If he's, if the word of God says that he has a hope and a future for you, it's better than you can imagine right now. If the word of God says he'll be with you in all things, trust me, he's with you right now. Even if you don't feel it, if the word of God says that he can do exceedingly abundantly above all you could ever ask or think it's exactly what he's capable of. And so I'm going to encourage you this morning. If you are carrying spices to a tomb, I need you to assume that he's already resurrected it. Put the spices down. Put down the negative attitude. Put down the he can't, he can't, he can't, he won't, he won't. Put down that language. Put down that mentality and pick up a resurrection mentality. Pick up a, there's nothing impossible for him. Pick up a, while I was sleeping, he can rise from the dead. Pick up a power, a power that Christ has put in you. Pick it up and wear it like he called us to wear it. I don't care what the circumstance looks like, even if I can't change it. Even if I can't change it, he can. Amen? He can be encouraged this morning by that resurrection power. They go and they find that Jesus isn't there. They um, look in the tomb. Some accounts say there's two young, young males in the tomb, angels sitting in the tomb and they were, they told him, Hey, the the one you're looking for is not here. Bible says when, when Peter and John get there, they realize he's resurrected. Some accounts give you the, give you this image that Jesus actually speaks to Mary. Maybe when she comes back from telling the disciples right there at the tomb, but there's one unique thing that happens. The angels tell everybody there, tell all the women, go back and tell the disciples. Jesus is resurrected. Now go back and tell them. Jesus himself, according to some of the gospels, tells Mary, now go back and tell them, tell, tell people, tell people. Go back and tell people. And I'm gonna make sure that, that on Easter Sunday, we don't forget our roles. Not R-O-L-L-S, which we will eat in a little bit, but R-O-L-E-S, our roles. What is your role in the kingdom? What is your role? What is your role? Because some, some of us, go back to the beginning, some of us are still trying and trying and trying and trying and trying. And if I just do this, if I just do this, if I say this, if I say that. I remember when I first became a pastor, I thought I could sit down with people and have one good conversation. Everything would be changed. <laughs> I can't even do that with my kids. I remember thinking, like, I'm a pretty persuasive person. If this person's life is out of whack, I could sit down with them. I don't even have a counseling degree. How naive is that? I'm just, if I could sit down with them, I could, I could convince them to do this, this, and this three steps. Come on. Everybody agree that with three steps, you could pretty much fix anything. (laughs) 
So I used to be so naive. I used to think, well, if I sit down with them and I talk to them for an hour or two hours or three hours, that I could convince them that that their lives could be different if they had implement this step and this step and this step, that, that it would all be fixed and the marriage would be better and the kids would listen and the finances would be great. And I used to think, well, if we could do this, 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 this. And what I realized is I was getting my roles screwed up. Because God never called me to resurrect anything. That was not my calling. He never said, go into all the world and you fix everything. No. He wanted to make sure on Resurrection Sunday, on the morning that the most powerful thing that has ever touched the earth happened, when the power of God came down and resurrected a dead Jesus, he wanted to make sure that we got our roles right. Jesus was raised from the dead and we tell. So God raises, you tell. Look at somebody in your living room right tell. God raises and you tell. But I'm telling you right now, we get them confused. We think we're, we think we're here to fix everything. We're, we think we're here like, oh, well, if they just do it my way, if they just do it this way, if they just do it this way. No, no, no. I need you to understand this morning that it is the power of God that changes a person's life. It is the power of God that saves. It is the power of God that redeems. It is the power of God that heals. It is the power of God for salvation. It is his power and his alone. Yeah, I've got a lot of good ideas. I think they're good ideas. And I think if you listen to me, your life might be better. It will be better. Because my ideas are good. Because I think I'm a smart guy. I think, I think if you live like I live, if you do what I tell you to do, when I tell you to do it, isn't that how we raise our kids? If you do, you do what I tell you to do when I tell you to do it, and then you will live a long life. That's, the, that's one of the commandments, kids. You, you honor your father and your mother and the blessing, the, re, the result of that is a long life. Your parents won't kill you. So we get it in our heads that it's our job to fix things in other people's lives. When all their role was on Resurrection Sunday was to tell about the power of God. Not to exhibit their own power. Not to exhibit their own knowledge. Not to exhibit their own strategy. Not to exhibit, like, oh, well, I want to let you know that I showed up to the tomb and the reason, the reason Jesus rose from the dead because I was there first. It had nothing to do with them. And in our modern day Christianity, in our modern day world, we have a four point, a five point, a three point solution for everything that affects everybody. Well, if you do this, 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 and this, your life will be swell. And what I've figured out is that I can do this, 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 and this, and sometimes my life still stinks. But if I rely on the power of the Holy Spirit in my life, then he can change things that I can't affect. So here's what happens. God raises and we tell. God raises, we tell. God raises, we tell. It's the power of God to salvation. God raises, we tell. It's the power of God that changes lives and we tell. It's the power of God. It's not our intellect. It's not our three-step process. It's not our self-help books. It's not, are all those things bad? I'm not saying they're all bad. But I'm saying when we step into the place where God's power is supposed to be with our ingenuity, it never works. Because I'm telling you something. I need more hope than a self-help book can give me. 
When I've tried the diet and I'm still fat, I need more hope than that. Amen. When I've tried the self-help books for marriage and it still doesn't work, I need more help. I need more hope than that. When I try, when I read every book on raising children and it still goes sideways, I need more hope than the book can offer. And that's why you didn't hear God say on Resurrection Sunday, you guys go back and figure out how it happened. You guys go back and figure out four steps to the way Jesus resurrected and tell everybody. No, he said, he resurrected. Now you just tell them you saw the power of God. That's it. You just tell them you saw the power of God. You just tell them you went and Jesus was there the last time you saw him and now he's not. And you have no clue how it happened. You have no clue why it happened. You, you don't know anything. And the quicker we as humans realize that we have this Inkling just a little teeny insight into the power of God, the better off we will be. Because Paul says, look, right now, you're looking through some really dimly lit glass. You have no concept of how powerful God is in your life and what he can do and how he can do it. So don't start acting like an expert. Don't start saying, well, this is why it's happening in their life, and I know. And if they follow these four steps, everything would clear up. That might not be true. God might be orchestrating something where only his power can save. So what do we do? Those that have witnessed his power just go and tell others that the power is available. That makes it so much easier for us, doesn't it? Doesn't it lighten the load a little bit? Listen, I don't know everything about your circumstance right now, so I'm not going to try to be an expert. Here's what I do know. The power of God that raised Jesus from the dead can change your life. I don't have to have a degree. I don't have to have experience. There was nobody that saw that empty tomb that had a degree in resurrection. There was nobody that saw the empty tomb that had a degree in anything that would help in that day. There was no one that had the right strategy. All they were were witnesses to the power of God and all they were asked to do was go tell others about that power. So you say, what's my responsibility on Sunday? On Easter Sunday, on Resurrection Sunday morning, not to come up with a solution, but just tell people you already found it. Not to devise some four-step plan about how you can make your life better. No, tell them you saw an empty tomb. Tell them the same power that raised Christ from the dead can dwell in them. It's, it's a simple message that we've complicated to the, to the, to the largest extent where you got to go through this and this and this and this and you got to do all these things and we found a better way to do it. No, the issue is we've, 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 we don't understand our role. Our role is to see the empty tomb, see the power of God and then go tell. That's it. How'd that happen in your life? I don't know. I'm not that good. I'm not that worthy, but God's grace for victory was poured out on my life. And the same thing that hap can happen to you because here is where we go sideways. You go to sleep and you wake up and the resurrection has happened. And then we instantly start thinking about how that happened. Well, I tithed, I went to church, I volunteered, I did all these things and that's what happened. That's how I got better. That's how I was in the right connect group. I'm not saying don't go to connect groups. I'm saying go to connect groups. But what happens is we instantly try to formulize everything that the, happened in the resurrection. So you go to sleep, wake up, and things are different, and then you want to figure out a formula for it. How do I, well, if I do that again, it'll happen every time. And then what we do is we try to superimpose that formula on everybody else's life. 
when all he called us to do was go tell how powerful the resurrection was. So the quicker we understand when I am weak, he is made strong. The quicker we understand, you know what? I know a few things, but I don't know enough. And I'm not good enough for this to have happened to me. And I'm not smart enough for this to happen to me. And there's no strategy in the world that could have saved me. But the power of God for salvation changed my life. And I, in every four-step process I could give you will fail at some point in time. But I could tell you something that will never fail. I understand my role. It's not to come up with a way to fix you. It's to point you to the one that can. I'm not here to fix you. I'm here to point you to the one that can. I'm not, I can't fix your marriage. I'm here to point you to the one that can. I can't fix your kids. I can't fix your job. But there is one who can. And our role was to point people to him. Didn't stop there. Didn't stop there. The band's going to come up. We're going to close this out. Hmm. Matthew chapter 28, verse 19. I'm going to do these a little bit out of order. Matthew 28, 19, go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptizing him in the name of the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, teaches him to observe all that I've commanded you. Behold, I'm with you to the end of the age. You know what he said there? Go and tell him about me. Don't go and tell him about your ideas. Go and tell him about me. Teach them about me. Teach them about Jesus and the resurrection. Teach them everything about the power of God. Teach them about Jesus. Teach them how he healed. Teach them how he delivered. Teach them how he forgave. Teach them about Jesus. And then, and then Jesus says in Acts chapter one, verse eight, he makes this promise to him. You're going to make disciples, but I'm not going to leave you alone. You'll receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. He said, I'll raise from the dead. You go tell people, but there's a catch. There's a catch and it's a catch we need to grasp on resurrection Sunday morning. He said, don't just go tell people that same power that raised me from the dead, I'll give it to you. I'll give it to you so that when you go tell people, you're full of that power. Not full of the power to fix them. Not full of the power to correct things in their life. Not full of the power. Full of the power to tell them about the power. To demonstrate the power. Church, we're in a situation right now that none of us can really affect. There's nobody watching within the sound of my voice that can snap their fingers and make everything go back to normal. It's, it's, it can't happen. But I believe this, one day we're gonna lay our heads down and wake up and it's gonna be different. The power of God has a capability to do something in our midst, in this country, in this world, that all all the coordination, all the, all the collaboration in the whole, all, all the power that the world itself can generate together couldn't, isn't a drop in the bucket. We can lay our heads down tonight and the power and presence of God could change everything. 
And I believe that. And I believe God wants to do that. But here's the thing. When he does it, we have to remember our role. And it's not to tell people how smart we were. It's not to tell people how our solutions work. It's not to tell people our political viewpoints work. It's to tell people how his power worked. It's to tell people that Jesus was dead and now he's not. And he said that same power that raised him from the dead, he would give to us to do that. So that people wouldn't see our smarts or our ability, but they would see the power of God on us. They would see the risen power of God himself. The, the power that raised Christ. They would see it in us. And they would say, wait, wait a second, there's something to this. So I want to pray that over every one of you today. Maybe you're in the middle of something this morning that you can't change. Maybe you're in the middle. Maybe, maybe you're in a household that you don't know what to do. You're lost right now and you have no idea. I pray that you surrender that to Jesus right now. He's the only one that can raise it. If you could have raised it, you'd already done it. If you could have changed it, you'd already done it. Maybe it's addiction this morning. Maybe it's a Maybe it's a trial that you're in. If you could have changed it yourself, you would have already done it. But I'm here to tell you that sometimes it just takes the power of God, the resurrecting power of God to change it. Sometimes you have to get to the end of yourself and the end of your solutions and the end of your worry and the end of your anxiety and let God swoop in and deliver the victory. Let him swoop in and perform the resurrection. And I want to pray that over you right now. Some of you are carrying around things that are useless because God wants to resurrect your future and all you're doing is sitting there going, God, you know, it's just not going to work. Put it away. Like Moses told the Egyptians, just be quiet. Be quiet and watch the deliverance of the Lord. Father, we ask you this morning, on the greatest day humanity has ever known, the day that Jesus rose from the dead, I pray that that same power would course through every house, every, every home represented here, every family, every person within the sound of my voice. I pray that same power would course through this country, Lord, this world. And you saw resurrecting hope, Lord. You saw resurrecting health, Lord. You saw resurrecting people's future, God. You start showing them that it's only your power that is capable of this, that it's only you that can deliver, only you that can save, only you that can breathe life into what seems dead this morning. God, I pray for every family, every person walking through it today. I pray that, Lord, they would find rest in you and they would wake up and see your deliverance or they would wake up and see your victory. God, we ask for it today. And then, Lord, we promise that our message will be clear. It's not how smart we are or how cunning we are. It's your power. It's your glory. It's your, your grace, God, that saved us. And that is the message we will tell. And we will scream it from the rooftop, Lord. We will send it as far and wide as you will empower us to go. We thank you for it. We thank you that there is nothing impossible with you. We thank you, God, for a resurrected Christ. And that's where we place our hope today. It's in Jesus' mighty name we pray. 
Come on, all over the place, all over the country. Come on, give him praise this morning. He is risen and he is here for you. Amen.